imagine a seven, eight, nine year old doesn't know English, doesn't know what's going on, you know, in this room full of people with a with a piece of paper on his desk, doesn't know what's going on, and I just thought to myself, fuck, and I just started crying, you know, because I didn't know what was going on. After that, it was just like a snowball effect, you know. So you know, once you start learning one thing, you get really interested in it, and you start to know. Oh, you get hungry for it, you know. Like you know, when you're in that you know hunger mentality, when you're hungry, you want food, and that's the only thing you want. And for me, you know, I, I wanted to quit university. But the way we do that, that's different. Moving away from home. I'd heard stories about it. This isn't my home. It's changed my life. I really wish someone told me. Hello and welcome to another episode of Statelessness, a show where the question where are you from might not have a simple answer. My name is Anas, and in this podcast I interview guests to go with them behind the scenes of their life away from home to share with you their unique personal stories associated with this move. Between adversity, culture shocks, and culture-specific tips, each episode will give you a different perspective of what it's like to live away from home. Why not give us a follow on Instagram at Statelessness for many Statelessness content and exclusive behind the scenes. And while you're there, give our Facebook page a like if you would like to be reminded when an episode is released again at Statelessness. And now, onto this week's guest. Today's guest is one of the most driven people I know. He's not afraid to go away from the norm to pursue something that he genuinely believes in and he's flexible enough to pivot his life at any point to become better. A businessman and marketeer in the morning and a great friend at night. He lived alone in Nepal when his parents moved to the UK and then after a few years when he followed them he did not understand any English at all and had to start from zero. Not a quitter but a trendsetter. Welcoming today's guest, Mahesh. At the end of this episode, we give you a little bit of a sneak peek about who next week's guest is going to be. So if you stick around till then, you'll hear a good story and also a recommendation for a very good book. So stay tuned. Outside the box. Well, you know, I got to tell you one thing about Ennis here. He's one of the smartest guys that I know. The G-O-A-T. Do not say that. But that just not in football. Not <laughs> I'm I'm really not good in football. I'll admit that. Oh, I remember this one time. Um, <laughs> oh, this is so funny. <laughs> Tell me. Remember um, in what was it Westgate? We were playing that five-a-side football. This is before we started the game. This is so funny. <laughs> so, so we were warming up, and What's I up? hear this loud. Ah. Oh! And I turn around and say, what's going on? And then Ennis is on the floor. <laughs> oh, you were crushing this. And um, what really happened was <laughs> you were kicking the ball against the ah, fence. <laughs> you didn't and it bounced off and hit you in the post. Yeah. How did you manage that? <laughs> I was, yeah, I was warming up, throwing the ball around. And I kicked the ball into a wall really hard because I wanted it to go back to wisdom. It was but, on the floor. But then instead, it hit the wall and it came right back at me, right back in my balls. Wisdom saw it because I was passing it to Wisdom. He saw it and he was laughing. He he wouldn't help <laughs> I me. I was laughing with you. <laughs> he wouldn't help me. He would just... I think I had to be off for a while and I couldn't You walk. did. You know what? After after about two or three minutes of laughing, I was thinking, oh shit, he's done something here. Yeah? Yeah. <laughs> so, um, so I stayed a year away from football and then second year I was like, oh, okay. It does impact you a lot, doesn't it? It does when you stop, yeah. 
Yeah, I've, I've had that feeling. Uh, you know, I used to play football every Sundays. <clears throat> At one point, I think I used to play, what, three, four times a week. And, you know, I wasn't the best, but, you know, I was fast. Fit, fit, definitely fit. And then when it came to uni, um, yeah, there's this massive, you know, few, few months gap that I hadn't played football. And I joined this intramural league. Um, it was the Panthers, actually. Shout out to Panthers. And I, I was fucked, you know, like the first first few minutes, I was like breathless. Like, you know, my lungs were on fire, like my throat, you know, it's burning. <laughs> and so it's, but once you do get into it, like, you know, week in and week out, you do feel a bit better and start getting more fitter. But you know what? Football is has been one of the most, uh, the biggest highlights of university. Just because, you know, you're together as a team and, you know, every week you turn up, you play as a team and, you know, there's socials. So like, you know, if, if anyone listening to this is, thinking of going into university i'd recommend like 100 percent joining society it doesn't have to be football it could be anything like any sports that you like uh, would you agree with that 100 percent. societies for sure yeah. and then sports is it could be even societies and sports it doesn't have to be societies of sports a few ones that could you know build on your current passions for example if you like investment there's an investment society like this guy he is a lawyer but he's interested in the investment how could he do that investment right. society so join a society of what you like, this chess society I used to go to. You used to go to as well. Actually, um, our friend Abdul, um, they were always encouraging me to come, but it just wasn't my thing. I was like, uh, maybe I'll come, but you know. But you know, that, that's the thing. You just gotta, just gotta do it, you know. Like, exactly. If you, if you know you like something, just do it. There's no other excuses. There surely is not. Um, tell me more about Nepal. Oh. Nepal, where is Nepal? Tell tell people where is Nepal. Okay, so Nepal is is it's it's in the Himalayas. Um, I think the best way to describe it is if you can picture, you know, the continent Asia, and if you can picture where China is, and you can picture where India is, think of Nepal as um, as like a sandwich between the two big giants. Um, you might have heard of uh, Mount Everest. Um, so that's actually Nepal and uh, a bit of Tibet as well. Um, but, you know, we have the best side. And uh, that's where Nepal is. So Mount Everest is in, is in Nepal? Is in Nepal, yes. Fun well, fact. it's the best best destination to start from. So I think the Everest, you know, I could be completely wrong about this. But I think um, the Everest base camp is, is in Nepal. And, you know, as you get further along, then... You go to other countries. Yeah. So, what what other countries are there with Nepal in that so in that sandwich? Um, that's a really good question. And you know, back when I was in school, I used to love geography, and um, I don't know the answer to that. It would probably be so there's China, India, Nepal, there's Bangladesh on the east side, and um, Pakistan. But that's just countries in and around uh, Nepal. So Nepal is. What do you want to know about Nepal, actually? Yes. Tell me about the the economy. How do the people live? How is it like? So the thing with Nepal is uh, it's actually one of the poorest countries in the world. And, um, you know, for me, I, I've been in a very fortunate position uh, to have my family bring me to, you know, outside of Nepal in the UK. Uh, but, like, living in Nepal, it's, it's, it's very, very, very different. And, you know, there's almost no economy. Um, like, if... if like in the city, of course, there's like, you know, it's busy, 
But like if you go down to the towns, the villages, it's it's very people are very self sufficient. Like, you know, they have their own farms, uh, their own animals, the chickens, you know, goats, you know, if you want milk you just go go to the <laughs> go to the cow and milk to milk, right? Um but I've actually been in Nepal just uh, just a few months ago, in August actually, late August. Uh that was my first time back for ten years, since ten years actually. And um things changed very quickly, like you know my some of my childhood memories of Nepal was I used to be very very mischievous uh, when I was little. That's what everyone tells me, anyways. And I I just used to like you know go to places by myself. You know like I I was like what five six at the time, and um, like for me I would just go anywhere that I wanted to, even by myself. You know, and uh, one thing I remember was my older brother. He would always you know he would always be there. You know, it's like my my mom and dad. While they were in the UK with my little brother, uh, I was in Nepal uh, for about two years. <clears throat> so he'd always be, you know, there to look after me, or you know, is he from the school. same mother, same father? No, no. So he's actually my uh, father's older brother's son. So cousin, would you say? It's a cousin or brother, man. Cousin, but like you know, the way uh, so the culture works is um, we we call him well, I call him Dai, which is like older brother, um, like. In Nepal is not cousins so like there's no such there's there's no word for like I guess the word for cousin is die but then it's it's weird cuz even if I don't know you let's say you're like you know uh 25 I'm 22 I would probably like if if we're strangers I would probably call you die as a sign of like showing you respect right mm. um so if I was older than you like let's say you're 22 I'm 25 I would call you you know bhai which means like you know uh little brother Oh right. So like it's 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 very weird to call someone by the first name especially if you don't know each other that well like maybe it's your first or second encounter. Uh like even till now like some of my friends I still call them like you know dai or bhai. Um but that's cuz <laughs> me for me I, I was just so used to saying that word. Uh so I just call them you know, dai and bhai. Yeah. It's interesting uh, I don't know if you know this in Urdu yeah. bhai is it means dai. Oh really? Bahai is the older brother. Are you sure? Yeah, and they use nice. it the same way. I didn't uh, know that fact. Yeah. So, fun fact: your your small brother is big brother for uh, Pakistanis. They they. Do you know what happened? I think they stole our language and then they switched Ooh. around. I, I think that's what happened. <laughs> hmm. Pakistanis. I think Pakistani is driven. Sorry, Urdu is driven out of Hindi more. But they might have taken a part. Of, what's your language? Nepalese. Nepalese. Nepalese language. Yeah. On its own. Uh, on right. it, uh, well, it's very similar to Hindi and uh, Urdu as well. Like, uh, so some of the words is very similar. So, you know, it's 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 a big mystery. We don't know who where the language really came from. Um, yeah. Interesting. Tell us more about how Nepal was when you lived there as a kid. How was it like around there? Nepal. This was. 2003 I think and um, when, when I was a kid it was um, 2003-ish and um, I remember one, one day my mom and dad they, they were packing the bags I was like thinking huh where was where are we going right and I remember them telling me we're going to the UK right, with your little brother I'm like you know why not taking me right um, I can't remember what they said but it was, it was, I was very small I was like okay uh, I mean I was at the time with my grandmother grandfather and you know older brother and 
so yeah, that's that's all I remember. And uh, you know, my grand grandmother always tells me this this crazy story. Well, not a crazy story, where you know, after my mom and dad left, I was like, you know, I was crying my eyes out and saying, you know, I wanna go with mom and dad. Like at the, at at this point, they were they were on the way to the capital city of Nepal, Kathmandu. Uh, where I was from is from uh, Dangorai. It's like a small town, about six, seven, eight hours, like pretty much a day's drive to the city center where the airport is. And so, yeah, I was telling my grandmother, uh, no, I want to go with my mom and dad, right? And cry my eyes out. And um, my grandmother, she, she was so, you know, frustrated. She was like, okay, fine, let's do it. Let's go. We're going to go on the bus right now. Have you got money? And I was like, uh, no, I, th- I've, I've, I think I had like two or three rupees in my pocket um, yeah something like that so I was like no I've only got two or three rupees and then she's like okay buksa which means you know that's enough so that means you know we we went on our way uh, to the bus and then I was like ah you know I knew I didn't have money right and you know at that age I so understood that you know you need money to get anywhere and um, I was like "Uh, grandmother let's not go let's go to um, our um, so it's my dad's older sister which i would call aunt. F- aunt yeah in my language we would call her poopoo which is aunt as you say <clears throat> so i was like you know i want to go to poopoo's car and you know at that point i was feeling a bit better and, and i'd got i was a kid i was over it um so yeah that's this this is one of those moments where you just left ah shit you know mom and dad's left me i'm by myself i guess it is what it is. I just gotta, you know, live with it. You know. Wow, it's such a young age as well. Yeah, um, but you know, I was I was fortunate to have you know such such very strong family with me. You know, like my grandmother and my brother, granddad. You know, they always look after me. Um, so yeah, it wasn't that bad. And when they did come back from the uh, sorry from the UK, they brought me a cycle. I was very happy with it. Oh. And um, literally, I love that cycle. I love that cycle. So after I went to the UK, you know, fast forward a few years, uh, and then we came back to Nepal to visit. I was like looking for the cycle because I, I, you know, I, I remember so much fun times, you know, going around, you know, all the places. I was by myself, you know, so I would just cycle everywhere, like to school, to you know, friends' place, uh, just around the park, even by myself. And when I came back from the UK to visit, you know, our 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 place, I was like, you know, where's my cycle, right? And then. And I, I searched everywhere, you know, tore the house upside down, looking for my cycle, even though I'm quite tall and, you know, I, I probably could never uh, ride that. But, you know, I still had that emotional attachment to that cycle because I had so many memories with it. And, um, and I asked my grandmother, she's like, what cycle? I was like, you know, that cycle my mom and dad got me when I was little. And she's like, oh, that cycle, I sold it. I was like, what? Gee, I love heartless. that cycle, you know. Heartless. Heartless, yeah. Grandma, what are you doing? <laughs> you know, <laughs> I, I I even remember like searching for the cycle, like uh, trying to find people who took it. I was like, I, I, I was I was that driven, you know. You were gonna go deep. <laughs> yeah. So what I remember from Nepal is you know family, and experiences and my cycle. And your cycle. I still haven't found it to this date. Oh, is it too late now? You think? Probably. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> say say what your cycle looked like. Maybe if he's listening to us right now, he can bring it back to you. This was like. 10, 12 years ago. I think it's probably sold a scrap somewhere. <laughs> okay. Probably for a few rupees. Good enough to buy a few, uh, you know, biscuits or something. I know. Um, <clears throat> okay, so this person that you call grandma, 
Yes. What is her relation to you? Is she that guy's mom? Yeah, so um, she is my father's mother. Oh, so she's actual grandma. She's my, actually, yeah. But how did you live with the, your brother? Did you live with your brother or was he like... So at the time, uh, we, we were living in this um, four or five flat house. Uh, I think my dad built it with his uh, father. And um, I think our entire family was raised in the house almost. Sorry, not entire family, that's a lie. Um, when my dad came back from his first break from the army, my dad was in the British army at the time, uh, part of the Gurkhas. Uh, so when he first came back from his... Um, I think after his first break or holiday, he came back to Nepal and he bought a piece of land and uh, he you know, built this house in, in the town. But before that, my dad, granddad and grandmother, along with you know, all my poopoos and um, uncles, and uh, you know, they were all in, in, this, in this rural village, which we call Tabang, Rolpa. You know, it, was, it was a very small village, right? You know, buying that land and building the house up, you know, is is a big thing for anyone in Nepal, really, especially if you come from a village. Um, so it's a, it's a huge accomplish, accomplishment for my father and granddad, uncles and poopers. How was that transition f- for you from a village? Did you live in the village ever? Or? I, I never, I've never lived in the village. Um, that's what I wanted to go back into Nepal. But it's something that I really want to do. Um, I think the next time I go into Nepal... Um, I want to actually immerse myself in, in in a village, just for a week or two, you know. Uh, see what my parents, my dad, my grandmother, grandfather were living like, you know, back back before they had a house, uh, land in in the town, and I think in the city center as well now. So it'd be very cool to see, you know, compare the lifestyle in the UK versus you know the town in Nepal versus you know our home uh, in a village in Nepal right um, but I heard you know the scenery is beautiful so it's something I want to see in the villages in the villages yeah because um, I, th- I believe I've seen some pictures of it our, our house is on like a, like a hillside and you can just oversee like in uh, like the the valley I remember um, trying to find it in Google Maps with my dad no luck <laughs> No, no luck. But I did find my um, town and my house on Google Maps. It's crazy, Google Maps. You know, like you can find literally anything. Wait, wait. You don't have information on that specific uh, place that you were talking about. I could, I couldn't locate. Uh, yeah, I didn't have enough information to see you know, exactly where where that village was. But for the town, it's you just type in Dangkorai. Yeah, Google right. Maps shows shows you. It's funny though. You can search for any place in the world with Google Maps, and the first thing you search is your house. Is your house? How much people? like themselves exactly they like to let me see what it looks like in Google Maps right yeah <laughs> like oh shit someone took a picture of this someone cares yeah. about me someone cares about my house oh nice that's oh is that, is that my, to me is that my car parked outside exactly. yeah that's a nice car is that, is that, was that my car exactly mm. I did well there didn't I and then he gets his house mortgaged and he just goes in debt and he looks at it on Google Maps and he cries but um, let's not get political. Unless you know how to invest in property. Yes, sir. Which is something that we're going to get into since you are Ooh. very interested in that uh, in that field. Mm-hmm. But um, tell me more about you when you moved to the UK. Talk to me more about I it. I think it was 2005 that I, when I first came to the UK. Um, I remember coming out of the airport. My grandfather picked us up in this like a minivan. Uh, so it was like me, my brother, mom, dad... Uh, granddad and, and we're in this minivan and I remember looking outside 
there's like there's a highway i've never seen highway in my life before <laughs> like what the fuck is this right there's cars flying past i'm like oh shit but then one thing i remember is you know i looked outside it's very cold like everything's you know dark and gloomy it felt like it almost felt like a dream like like a not a nightmare but like a very very gloomy sort of uh weather so i guess that was my first impression of after uk very gloomy <laughs> And to this day, I agree with it. It's it, the weather's not the best. <laughs> when you uh, moved, was it Newcastle that you moved to when you first? No. Came here? So when when I first came here, uh, we were actually living in Wembley. So Wembley, London. Wembley, London. Yeah. Oh, so wow. I was there for like um, for for two years. Um, for two years, we were sharing house with another family, uh, which I'm very close to still, and two brothers. Two dies, not related to my family, but you know, the, I still call them dies. They stay with your uh, father and mother. Yeah, so uh, so we were, we were sharing house between two families, um, and then after that, we actually moved together up to Newcastle as well uh, in the north, and um, yeah, so that's that's how we that's how we ended up in Newcastle. I'm guessing if it was London, because London in the summer is okay, like the scenery is all yeah. right. You see sun and it's not too gloomy. Yeah. So when you came, it must have been like around yeah, winter think time. September or something, some right. period like that. I'm yeah, not sure. around then it gets the clouds is really, it's a, it's very gray. The weather very is gray. so gray. Because I lived in London miserable. for a year, not a year actually, that's a lie, uh, three months. And um, that's when you had your internship, wasn't it? Yes, there was a yeah. placement in one of the offices, PwC. Yeah, I worked there from January first to to the end of March. So I lived through that gloomy time where I had to go to work with an umbrella because it's raining. Get to the tube, very depressing. Everyone just wants it's to go to work. As well, isn't it? The packed. Tube. Everyone wants to go to work. Everyone is just like on it, like. Get out of my face. I don't want to see anyone in front of me right now. I'm going to work at like 8 a.m. because I want to get there at 9 because it's an hour trip. And it's just depressing. It's really depressing. Uh, and so I completely agree with what you say. Gloomy. I'm not surprised. Yeah. This is something that I realized when I came in here as well. Cold, dark, not dark, but like gray. The um, Nowadays, we get our suns, sunset. Sunsets at like quarter past three, yeah. half past three. It's lights going out. dark. Yeah, lights out. So it's a bit crazy in that sense. Very depressing, the UK. Um, that's the first impression of the UK. Yeah. How did you then, what was it like? How did you feel? I think the best way to describe how it felt after I settled in, well, I think about six months in, there was this um, festival happening in uh, in this house. Well, not in my house, in the street along my house. And so many people so many people like you know just like if you were to go in, into the crowd you would genuinely be lost like you wouldn't know which way did you come which way did you go um for me i don't really like that you know I, I like having you know people around and having you know some sort of a basically a city not not quiet but not massively uh you know populated crowded you know and i think for london it is quite it is there's a lot of people in london very overcrowded you know that you will not use the tube at certain times because if you do you're gonna get to your destination in one and a half hours like 5 p.m if you see the 5 p.m rush you'd be waiting for it three trains would walk past you and you're still waiting for your turn to get into one it's very busy in that sense but i think we've been slagging off london a bit too much i think credits to london 
I actually do enjoy the city. If if I'm not living on it, like I always go down to London, like you know, once or twice a month. Absolutely, and you know, I love it. You know, love if you're coming to London to visit, you're gonna have the time of your life. It's such a beautiful amazing. city. Very beautiful, very 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 pretty, and a lot to do. You would never get bored in London. It's just so big. Like I was just driving down uh, last week in London, and I was thinking, am I out of London yet? Because you know, <laughs> no matter how much further away from the city centre that you drive, you're still in London. You're still in London. And still and amazing shops, stuff like, all so around shops, you. Yeah. yeah, yeah. It's intense in that way. Let me ask you a question. What is your favourite bit about London? Oh, you cannot do that to me. <sighs> this is a very emotional question. I'm listening. We're listening. It's Embankment. What's in there? Embankment place is where my office used to be. The office that I worked in London for, PwC. Um, My memories of it is getting off the tube, not every day, but when I went to the office, because most days are the client site, and client site was outside of London, like inside London still, but like you said, like way out, but still technically London, so I'm not in an away job, but it takes me like at least an hour, 15 minutes to get there. So my, my work used to be there for at least six weeks. And then when I was back in the office, I'm back like 30 minute trips. Not not too long. I can sit in the office, drink my hot chocolate. Amazing, you know. So getting off the tube with my umbrella and my bag and then like, okay, this is a new day. Let's do this. And I used to smoke back then as well. So I'd go down for like smoke breaks. There was like a garden out there that I would smoke in because it's like it looks amazing. Behind that is the Thames, the River Thames. Yeah. So you had a perfect view. And guess what was there? It's the Coca-Cola Eye, London Eye. The London Eye. The London Eye was right where the office was. So I could even go from the office on like the balcony and straight ahead. The first thing is the London Eye. Like you have the river between you and it as well, which is perfect Mm. because then you you can have full view. That area. That's amazing, yeah. That area was like heaven to me. I would go to work on weekends just to be in that office and just like look out. And just, you know, enjoy enjoy that little little part. So embankment would be my perfect place in London. Beautiful. And yeah. Beautiful. Thanks for opening me up. Uh really didn't expect to get emotional in this episode. <laughs> yeah, if uh, if the listeners aren't saying this, you know, I can see a tear in Anna's eyes right now. Glistening a bit. in the um, light right now. <laughs> it's fine, it's fine. I'll be back anyway. I'll be visiting it hopefully um quite a bit because i'd always feel a part of me belonging there exactly um but there's a lot to see there's museums i love to go in museums in london you know plenty of them um went out a few times as well great places to go out a lot of a lot of expensive though a little expensive to be honest a little uh yeah it can get out of hand but also cultural stuff because the people in london are so are from like from all around the world you can get like little streets are just egyptian little like um shops that are just syrian just nepalese nepalese food made by nepalese people so it's like the, the actual thing and it tastes like the actual thing you know what is a traditional nepalese dish traditional nepalese dish um you know momo is a classic it's, i think it's loved by almost everyone in nepal uh you've got a charming um but like you know a daily what is day the first one that you said momo it's momo. like a, it's like dumplings but if you've never had dumplings before, or if you've had have dumplings before, this one is going to change your life. Like, Nepalese dumpling is going to change your life. Fact. That is a big claim. Um, Fact. 
Um, but you know, so I know, I know my fans love Chinese food. Oh well, they're gonna love, love Nepalese food. All right, ask for the special momo. Yes, um, special? maybe not special momo because you never know what's gonna be. In the momo, okay. Uh, but like going aside from you know momos and going to like you know the day to day food, our literally our <laughs> you know Nepalese we we could literally have rice something called dal it's like a like a gravy lentils lentils something like that and you know chicken curry and we literally have that you know midday and you know in the afternoon that's like in every single day that's 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 pretty much what, what our diet is based on and i think a lot of asians um share the similar similar opinions on that uh, i cannot give you opinion of that because i am not a curry a massive curry person myself you know, I heard there was a claim that a blind man had his Nepalese dumplings once and um, his sight was restored. Jesus Christ. So yeah, check it out for yourself. Visit Nepal 2020. <laughs> 2020 Nepal. Tell me more about um, the UK. You you came here, now you joined the school in the UK. Yes, so I, I actually been through the whole uh, schooling system, apart from nursery. Uh, so I think I was in year three when I was in school. And um, you know, never I, I could I never understood English before I came. I was like, literally never like you know. I think I I must have known you know hi hellos. I think I failed year one in Nepal something like that. Um, you know, not not the most educated person to you know come to the UK, but you know here I am. Um, so yeah, uh, back in year three or year four in primary school in the UK, there was one memory that I really 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 remember a lot. And that's when I had my first test. At the time, I didn't know what, what where I was. I just remember sitting in this massive hall with like people sitting in like you know square desks and in chairs on the left. Uh, if if you've been in a, a in an exam hall, then you'll know what I mean. Uh, but you know, imagine a seven, eight, nine year old doesn't know English, doesn't know what's going on. You know, in this room full of people with a with a piece of paper on his desk doesn't know what's going on and I just thought to myself fuck and I just started crying you know because I didn't know what was going on what does that say what am I supposed to do what am I doing here uh, so I, you know I just started crying and I think one of the teachers came towards me and I think she took me away and you know, I was just thinking to myself ah, I hate tests I hate the UK I, I, I don't know how to read I don't know how to speak I don't know how to tell someone I don't know what's going on. Like even something simple as that, all I can do is you know have that you know facial expression on my face and with some tears, right? That's 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 all I could do at the time. Um, but definitely, you know, my English has improved over the time, and uh, a lot of it I dedicated to you know just going because uh, I used to you know get books from the library and you know just practice on my own, uh, read in the house. So yeah, reading books is something that I really do enjoy, and because it's given me that space where I can you know learn to you know learn how to you know read learn how to uh you know work on myself so like right now and i'm i'm reading these uh personal development books um you know like like we mentioned the 5 a.m club and um you know rich dad poor dad robert kiyosaki great book and um i just think there's so much knowledge out there so much opportunities out there you should never just you know just sit down and just cry about it. You need to do something about it, you know? And that's something that I learned from a very early age. I didn't know how to read, write, or speak English, but I cried my eyes out, and, you know, the following week, you know, I started for it, and um, 
I got good at it. <laughs> Not the greatest. I still can't. I probably can't speak as good English as some people could. Uh, English is pretty good. Thank you, man. Appreciate it. Uh, but you know, it's uh, it was it was a good life lesson for me. You know, if if you don't know something, go find it out. Hustle. If if one thing I can say about Mahesh is that this guy's a hustler. About everything he does in life, he, ha- he still has that mindset behind his head, which is hustle, hustle, hustle. I need to make this myself. I need to get there myself. I'm not gonna wait for someone to tell me. I need to. I'll start first ahead of competition, ahead of everyone. Why should I wait? Why should I not do it now? And he always has that mindset, which is something I respect about you. Appreciate it, man. Thank you. Um, after you learn the language, after the first six months, how did you continue? How did it go on? Was it still a b- something that kept you from stuff from people, or was it no problem? Very low level English, you know. Um, I think at the time I had an additional tutor. I think the school provided at the time. Um, I think his name was Mr. Brown or something. And uh, there was a group of you know four or five other students, and you know it was this extra class that we took just to you know, improve our uh, English skills a bit better. And uh, we would read books, practice you know talking to each other. And I think gradually over time you you do start getting better, and you know when you're a kid you, you know you pick up stuff you know quicker than you probably would right now, and uh, and as I said you know reading the books like you know I love stories I love stories like you know reading stories, uh, you know like Harry Potter uh, I can't remember most of the other books that I read, but yeah just reading and you know practicing what's being taught, and uh, that that's that's how you get ahead. Nice. <laughs> When you came to the UK, who was your friends group? What were what were they like? What's their demographic like? Friends group zero. Yeah, literally, my friend circle was zero. Uh, even back in Nepal, like, if I if I was to go back in Nepal, I I, I don't think I know anyone. Um, yeah, because I was in year one or year two, so my only real friends would be in in the UK, and uh, not my primary school, not in Wembley, because I don't know anyone there. Um, but more so from my um, primary school when I moved to the Newcastle from year year five, year six, and onwards. Uh, secondary school uh, made lo- loads of new friends. Uh, you know, I still talk to them nowadays. And um, and university, you know, like likes of you, you, Abdul, Wisdom, and many other people. But you know, aside from that, uh, I still talk to. Remember how I talked about us two families sharing a house back in Wembley um, so the other family that they have two 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 sons as uh, an Indra and Yam I call them Dais uh, for older brother right uh, so you know, we're, we're still in very uh, great contact with each other um, and w- w- you know there's a Nepalese boys we like to call ourselves uh, we're, we're still in the northeast uh, you know, we we meet 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 each other every now and then, uh, almost every every week or every other week, and um, yeah, friends wise, I, I like to say I'm wealthy, wealthy with some, you know, great friends like yourselves, and many others as well. We we sort of bonded over football, I would say, mm-hmm. right? And you know, after that, we started going out a bit more, you know, getting some food together and <clears throat> just meeting up, you know, not just for football. And that's how we started to get to know each other a bit more. And, you know, we, we got that friendship group together, right, within the likes of Abdul, Wisdom, and uh, other people, right? Um, it's but I was very shy, you know? Yeah. I was very shy. Like, you, you probably know me as, like, you know, 
it, this guy knows everyone, right? It's, it's popular. But, you know, I, I'm, I'm very shy. Uh, and I think that's my... That, that is my true self, that, that I am very shy. And w- when I was a little kid, and I found it really hard to talk to anybody. And, um, and I found it hard to make friends. Uh, fortunately for me, you know, there were my friends who, who would encourage me to, you know, come out, you know, Mahesh, let's go out, let's go watch a movie, let's go play football, right? It's, you know, it's those kinds of friends that's, you know, pushed me uh, to be, you know, a bit more outgoing, a bit more social, social, that's very funny <laughs> and um yeah i think it's not just depending on you it's, it also depends on your friends as well like you, you almost sort of be you know push and pull right you know you, you gotta pull your friends closer sometimes you might want to push your friends to you know to do something they might not want to do but you know that you'll enjoy them right for me i was like i was that friend you know who you know didn't want to do anything I, i'd sit in the house play computer games all day uh, but you know, I'd I'd have this one or two friends who'd you know push, push me to you know, come outside the house and you know take me to the park, play football, and um, you know after that you know once you do start going out, you meet more people, and then once you get to know them, they know even more people. So it's like a, it's almost like a domino effect, right? Uh, so that's. That's how you just make friends, isn't it? So you're good friends with also English people? Yeah, definitely. Yeah, well, I, I like to think so. That's yeah. exciting because most people who would move away from their country and they don't know the language, they would prefer to stick with their like their people and the people who speak the same language and they wouldn't really go out of their way yeah. for someone. I think like, people would be very surprised at how great friends, you know, British people can be, you know, and, you know, they are. They are. I mean, of course you get, you know, a minority of them are like, you know, you know they wouldn't be the best of friends right but it's like it's like any other country isn't it the uk there's people you're gonna like there's people you're gonna hate but that's just life you just find people who you really like and you stick with them and life moves on exactly my friend so to wrap this up i wanted to ask you if you had a younger brother who was in nepal and he is now coming to the uk or he's thinking about coming to the uk what would you tell them about the uk to make them aware or to take care of, or to just keep in mind before coming? Nice question. I would tell him, be yourself, but try something, you know, extra. You know, try and get out of your comfort zone. You know, because if you're coming all the way from Nepal to a completely unknown place that you've never been before, you might as well, you know, push yourself, you know, that extra, you know, one or two steps. Like, why not? You've already came this far. So, you know, do something that you might not normally do. Talk to that person that you might normally talk to, right? Find out, you know, what the story is. Like, you know, you know, this podcast is great because you're finding out so many stories. Everybody has a story. If they don't, they're probably lying. And it's just so interesting to hear, uh, you know, after living in the UK for so many years, uh, talking to so many different backgrounds, cultures, uh, you know, races. And it's just very interesting to hear the you know, the delicate stories they all have, uh, you know, how they came here, how they were born, you know, how they were raised, um, you know, what the, what they are doing right now, where they want to be, you know. It, you know, we're all humans at the end of the day and with, with a story to share and, you know, hopes, ambitions, dreams, right? So I would say number one thing is step out of your comfort zone and see if you can talk to that one or two extra person, you know. Because you never know who you're going to meet. That one person could be, you know, 
your life partner, possibly, right? Uh, that could be that one great friend who could be a friend for life, you know? Just never know with these things. And as I said before, it, it's not just, you know, hey, stranger, let's be friends like that. Just like with anything with life, it's the process, not the destination. That's what I would say. It is the process, not destination, my friend. Speaking of the process, you've gone into the business world and it's you started university in England, but then you decided to drop out of that and yeah. then you went on to do your own thing. What was going on through your mind then? What the hell have I done? That's 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 it. <laughs> you were shocked. I dropped out of university. Uh, you know, both my ears full of you know my parents shouting at me. Uh, you know, you know what are you doing? Uh, you need to get a degree. And um, I'm like, it's it's just not for me. Maybe I want to change universities. Maybe I want to do another course. But I was just not enjoying university. And um, I think my grades reflected on that as well. Not the best, by the way. And um, yeah, what the hell have I done? What am I going to do next? Where am I going to go? And fast forward, what did you actually do? Before I decided to quit university, I'd already been working on um, on a project uh, a year ahead, uh, which was like dropshipping e-commerce. And I was trying that out, you know, doing, uh, you know, building the website, uh, lead generation, finding, you know, customers, which worked quite well. It wasn't very successful, but, you know, we had customers from, you know, Russia, US, uh, Australia, New Zealand, UK, Europe, Turkey. And it, it was okay. Um, if I had pursued a bit more, I, I would say I could have done a bit more out of it, but I think after a month or two, I don't know, it's just something, you know, I was doing exams at the time. I was, I think, year one or year two of my exams. And, um, and I just thought, oh, this is so much. Um, I want to focus on my university. I'm a parents proud and you get that degree. So I just thought, you know, okay, let's, let's put this on pause for now. And, you know, when I get more time, uh, I'll come back to it. And uh, fast forward a year or two, uh, I was going going to go into my third year. Um, and at the time I was I was getting some education mentoring from you know these internet marketing gurus right let's call them and um, I really wanted to you know be my own boss you know all that all that all that crazy stuff and so I, I decided crazy. to some people might say it is okay and so yeah I, I, I decided to put you know put in some money to get some real education and you know I put myself out there um, you know, I started doing, you know, outreaching clients, peoples, and you know, luckily for me, I, I was very fortunate enough to have this one client uh, who really believed in me, in you know what I was doing, and you know he was there to support me. So we struck up a deal. He wanted to, you know, a market a marketeer for his company, for his business. So I thought, you know, let's 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 work up something here, right? And so we did. He had faith in me. I had faith in him. And um, we we done this little trial sort of thing, and it, you know it, it worked well. It worked well. And after that, it was just like a snowball effect, you know. So you know, once you start learning one thing, you get really interested in it, and you start to know. Oh, you get hungry for it, you know. Like you know, when you're in that you know hunger mentality, when you're hungry, you want food, and that's the only thing you want. And for me, you know, I, I wanted to quit university and. You know, find find a better option because at the, at the time I didn't have any options, right? It's either university or, or you know, work as a cleaner or something. I don't know. 
not not saying cleaning is a bad job or anything, but um, so yeah, it's it's not what I wanted to do. Like even working in factories, I done some. Uh, I worked in factories in my summer vacation, and I'd see like these, you know, forty, fifty, sixty year olds who've been there for like, you know, thirty plus years. Some of them like since they were sixteen after they're leaving the school. So I thought, no way, I'm gonna be like that, you know. Like I'm not gonna be, you know, lifting, you know, box pallets, doing the same thing every every single day. And after I left that, you know, I left that job, that was just for like a month or two, I think. And I thought I'm never coming back to this place again. And uh, you know, university wasn't going great at the time, so those two options were out. So I didn't want to go to university. I didn't want to get that job, uh, you know, working in a factory or anything like that. So I was desperately looking for a third option. And luckily for me, when this, uh, you know. I took the education and I found that, you know, one client who really supported me in, in what I was going through and, uh, you know, building my business as well, as well as his. And it it worked really, it worked really well for me. And that's how I had the uh, confidence and the courage to really say, I want to do this. I want to quit uni. I want to really do this full time and see how far I can get. If I fail, fine. I've learned so much things you know, along the way. I'll just do something else, you know. Right, right now, you know, I'm not scared to fail. You know, if, if I fail, I've learned this much already. I've got nothing to lose. Uh, we might as well, you know, drive forward, see how far we can get, and see what life holds. Life, life is full of potential, full of opportunities that if we put our minds to and really believe that we can do them and do the right things to get to do them consistently, you will get there, no matter what your dream is. So, yeah, amazing. Thank you. This entrepreneurship, this uh, business journey that I'm going with, it's not over yet. I've got so much more to gain and I've got so much more to give. Right. Well, thank you for being here. We appreciate your time. The biggest lesson uh, you might want to take away from this podcast is just try something new. Uh, if you're coming to the UK or if you're going to another university somewhere or, you know, you're going to a different place, you've never been before, you're scared, you're nervous, you don't know what to expect, I would say just play full out and be 100% yourself, but, you know, almost push yourself one or two steps, not 100, just one or two, like small steps and see who you can meet, what you can do, uh, you know, how far you can get. Because, uh, you know, as I said before, you know, life is a, a journey. It's not a destination. I'm not, I, I'm not a, you know, a life coach. I'm not a life guru or anything. But this is what I'm saying uh, from my own personal experiences. And you just got to, you know, take life on your face. like you know, As it comes. As it comes. Day by day. Week by week, month by month. <laughs> We'd like to... Thank you, Mr. Mahesh, for being part of this podcast. Thank you for having me. It was great talking to you and knowing more about Nepal and everything else. We don't really speak much about our history. Visit Nepal 2020. Hashtag Nepal 2020. (laughs) (laughs) All right. This is the end of the podcast. Thanks for listening. Thank you so much for listening till the end. If you liked the episode, why not share it with a friend? Sharing is caring. Always. Also, if you want exclusive mini Statelessness content, find us on Facebook and Instagram at Statelessness. And um, I'll see you next week with another Statelessness. Um, So anyway, that guy from Russia's above, he does the 5am thing.
His routine starts at 5 a.m. You know, I've read this book. It's called The 5 a.m. Club. Is that where he gets it yes, from? Yes, exactly. The nice. 5 it's Club. a great read. Have you read it before? Yeah, I've read it before. How was it? It was, as, you know, there's a lot of stories. Uh, the story of this guy is like an old guy. And he's like a you know very, very, very rich, wealthy guy who sort of cares for these, uh, I think there's three people. There's a guy, there's another guy, and there's a girl, I believe. And it's just taking them in a journey of this, you know, success sort of mindset. So it's very, very interesting. Uh, I'd recommend anyone listening to this, you know, get it on audiobook uh, and get the book. It's worth it. Absolutely. And I've definitely seen the results on that guy. He studies law, but he's interested in banking. And that's two complete, completely different fields. Because he's also interested not in the law part of banking, but more of the actual investment banking. And he invests himself and stuff. Big money. So, and law being the crazy college, say, and the amount of work that they have to do and the amount of research and studies and everything. How could he balance that with keeping up with his, not just hobby, but also something that he wants to pursue in the future? And he's also, otherwise, he's also in good shape. He's keeping his life in order. Uh, and I was I was curious, how could you do that? And one of the main reasons is that he's part of the 5 a.m. club. Exactly. Wakes up at 5 a.m., says, you have at least four hours ahead of everyone else. Massively. And if you literally add that up well, for the week, add that up for the month, add that for the year, I think some of the maths was like, you literally have an entire month more than what an average person would the amount of stuff that you can do in Maybe just say that again. An entire month yeah. more than an average person. That's just insane. Just because you woke up a few hours earlier than you normally would. Exactly. But, you know, you got to practice what you preach. So I'm not saying to anybody, you know, do the 5 a.m. club because I'm doing it. I'm not. It's something that I definitely need to do. It's, it's one of my 2020 goals. Just to, you know, have this routine in my head and actually doing it because all these successful people... They're either, you know, waking up at 5 a.m. or they're going to bed at 5 a.m. Which one are you going to be, right, you know? And I definitely want to be at the top level. And for that, we and some of the listeners, we need to be getting ahead of the competition and, you know, almost bettering ourselves. And if that means, you know, waking up even one hour earlier, that's, you know, one hour that you have more than an average person might. 100% agree, my friend. What was the word? Uh, uh, Anna Beckbeck, right? Anna, Anna Beckbeck? Anna Beckbeck. Anna Beckbeck. Yes, sir. There you go. Anna Beckbeck. Home is where the heart is. It's incredible. I'll be keeping an eye on that one.